0: Welcome to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, A Guy Podcast. I'm here joined by my phrasing my amazing friend, brother, and friend, my amazing friend, brother, and product leader and genius. Um, you know, one of the probably the smartest people I know, Daniel Adayanju, aka Mr. B Great. Daniel, man, go ahead and introduce yourself, man.
1: <laughs> my man, my man. you said I think that was one of the best introductions I have ever had. So um, I don't want I don't want to um, downgrade myself um, at the risk of downgrading myself. Um, it's a pleasure to be here, brother. Um, as you mentioned, I go by the name of Mr. Be Great. I'm the founder of Be Great. Today, it is a education product consultancy. Um, working on a various different projects to just advance the state of the art in education, especially as it relates to um, diversity and inclusion. Uh, right now, I'm um, one of the I'm on a founding team of a really awesome organization called Last Mile Talent. Mm. We are um, bringing up the next generation of DevOps talent. Um, and I have a really expansive background, starting out in, in startups, doing operations and products. Um, I have worked as an iOS developer for uh, Macy's on the West Coast. So uh, love the West Coast, shout out to y'all. And I've also been a career coach with computer science majors. So a lot of things I think about, sorry, um, revolve around this future of work and that interplay with mm. edu- having worked in higher ed. And that's why I also um, uh, like love to talk about the future of work on my podcast, the Be Great podcast, where we highlight and inspire the leaders shaping the future of work for the better.
0: Yeah. You know, you really have a very dynamic background, bro. You've worked with a variety of different companies from engineering. Even right now, you work with Algo Daily as a product manager and product lead, you know, talk to me a little bit about how your dynamic background has shaped your perspective on the future of work.
1: Absolutely. Excellent question. I mean, I believe that the future of work is now. If you want to know what the future of work looks like, it's going to be looking at somebody like yourself, someone who's creating their pathway, someone like myself who's done the same. And I think that's why we've come to kind of orbit around each other and intersect. Um, mm. I was looking through my pictures. I saw when you came to New York and rocked together and the kinds of people that we're around, folks that aren't waiting for someone else to lay out a path. When I think about the, the future, the how work used to be, um, there were pathways laid out for you, um, the very determined mm-hmm. pathways. If you're going to become a farmer, a coal miner, um, even a secretary, um, these very defined fields that people would move into, um, folks like us and many folks around the world rejected that, sometimes out of necessity, sometimes they didn't have the opportunity to have Um, one of those linear pathways that provide some sort of security. Folks have to create and blaze their own trail. So when I think about my career, I've always been someone that um, wanted to create their own pathway, wanted to solve interesting problems, wanted to be in dynamic environments with dynamic people. And that's totally been how I've Mm -hmm. directed my career. I think the future that we're entering, everyone is going to have to do that to an extent. No longer will a company say, hey, here's the next ladder, here's the next place to go we will have to be in more control. So to answer your question, the future of work is one where the worker has a lot more power, but they also have more responsibility to determine where they want to take their career.
0: Yeah, man. You know, it's power responsibility is so huge, right? Because a lot of people aren't ready to take the responsibility to take control of their career. It's scary, right? Because you're so used to being taken care of. From an early age man let me ask you man you know who have been some of the leaders in your life that have influenced your perspective but also kind of helped you grow in your career man
1: that's a really great question so i always have to start with like with the cliche um you know not for everyone but for me specifically definitely my parents um influence a lot of the way that i think about work probably inadvertently because i'm sure they would love for me to hook on to some sort of uh pathway and you know take the easy way um, that uh, it's, I think is kind of fading out to some extent. It's still very much there. You can take on a certain career, kind of like follow that ladder. Um, but my parents always um, created their own opportunity, sometimes as a necessity, but I think um, really out of divine providence that, that God really allowed them to shape their career in, in those ways and or, or directed their steps. So for me, my parents have been huge in um, just seeing them be able to create something, some things, out of nothing um really inspired my confidence in myself to be able to do the same um but outside of that i i would say um there's just been so many authors and and thought leaders that i've you know i usually experience and i see something and then i read about it i'm like oh this is real right so um if i look at the the simon's next of the world um the great product thinkers You know, uh, I could you know Marty Kagan comes off the top Mm. of my head. Um, Even even folks like um, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits, right? Like the concepts in these books. These are these those are the mentors, really. And sometimes it's crazy because sometimes these ideas come not from the book but through other people saying it. Sometimes even a book title start with why. um, You know, (laughs) from the book title, you're already like, oh snap. That's all I need to know. Let me start with yeah. why. Every time that I start a project, why am I doing this project? Why am I doing this initiative? Why am I spending my time in this way? So I feel like my my books have been some of my greatest mentors um, thus far.
0: Man, I love that man. That's probably, right. and I know you're you're a very astute individual. You're always in the, deep in your books, man. You know, I want to talk to you a little bit about you know because currently you live in NY, New York City. Mm-hmm. You know. E- with everything that's been going on due to COVID-19, how have you seen the discussion shift around uh, career management, career development, and also remote work?
1: Oh, yeah. Those are really great questions. I think the remote work is, I'll start with that because um, it's very clear. And, and it's crazy because when this, this, this all this stuff happened, uh, started happening, a part of me got slightly giddy. And this is like, you know, this is a, a time where people are actually um, losing their life, mm. their livelihood. Um, people are really hurting right now. So I have to, I acknowledge that first and foremost. And um, I also think there's a been a re- revealing of the fault lines of society, you know, a society that may have thought that it was equitable and thought that everyone had opportunity. You're finding out that, hey, you're forcing everybody going online. Some kids don't have computers, mm. so they didn't go to school. Yeah, You know what I mean? So... Or, or if they, you you gave them a computer, but do they have internet? So, um, you know, there was a lot of the 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 negative. The positive to me was some of that revelation and some of that exposure. Um, that you know, hopefully we operate and, and, and resolve. Hmm. Um, the other positive for me is kind of like in a quasi academic sense. It's somebody who's who's geeking out about the future of work. Okay, this is what's going to come next. I'm telling my friends, you know, like, you need know, to so take a look at tech. This is why. This is why it is this bellwether for where tech is going in terms of flexibility and XYZ, it's kind of like validating. Mm. And also um, it, help, it helps propel that message. So if I'm, if I'm trying to support folks in making that transition and seeing the opportunity, it's like, look, the opportunity is now. I'm not talking about the future of work, I'm talking about the now of work. Let's go think about um, how we can have more control of our careers, how we can go for employers that give us more flexibility. So one of the biggest keywords, and I see you talk about this a lot, is just career flexibility is now a requirement. Companies mm. can no longer say, oh, no, you have to be in the office to work because we just did this. We are doing this right now indefinitely.
2: At scale. So
1: at scale. And you know, obviously companies have been doing this from before. New com- uh, companies that are just getting into it, they're going to have to um, accelerate some of their um, their tra- their their transformations and I think it's good I think it's good for people to get shaken up I think it's good for individuals to have and that's something that I will that, that, that I think is is really cool um, so that's the remote side of things and I, I forgot the the first part if you want to remind me real quick
0: yeah. So, you know, you, you mentioned it, you know, how has career management and career flexibility changed due to COVID-19? Absolutely. You know, I want to ask you, brother, you know, because, you know, you're you, you're one of those individuals where you're always sharing information, you're always building community. How important is community building now where no one can go to a career fair anymore or you can't really, you know, really just applying and praying won't really do the job and helping you getting a job. So how do you go about using a community building to build your network? And then more importantly, man, create opportunities for yourself.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, community is everything, really. Um, I really do believe that people were created to be in community with each other. So mm-hmm. denying that is really denying yourself of opportunity. Um, and and one has I realize is all different types of folks um, someone might be introverted. Someone might um, like to keep a, a tighter circle of friends. I think building community starts with self-knowledge. Who are you, and what do you like? Um, I, you know, you, sometimes you hear folks say, yeah, "I don't like people." They say that in just usually. Um, I think everyone has a capacity to be in a relationship and to and to be around people that they that they connect with. Mm. So I think start, if you know yourself and you, you understand what you like, you can find people that you like. And then the next step is to find people that you like in the places that you want to go. So mm. you have an idea, you should have some sort of idea of where you want to go. And even, even without that, even in the absence of that, community is very valuable because um, you, can, you don't have to know, I want to go into this field, but you can generally know, I want to be around these kinds of people. I want to be around knitters. Guess what? These knitters are whole people that have careers And you can start to see like, wait, knitters, I noticed that a lot of knitters are also programmers. They're also um, event planners. And you could like connect with people on a professional level. So for me, I always like to find um, how we're related, how we're connected. Um, I think activities and things that we do, the way we spend our time um, are a really great way to connect, but also even like um, demographically or location wise, um, you know, are you from New York? Hey, we can talk about maybe the high schools. I love asking when, when I find out somebody's from New York, I'll ask them what high school they went to. It's likely that I know somebody who went to their high school, I've heard of their high school, or um, I, you know, sometimes I find out somebody went to my high school and that's just like a rush. Like, oh, like we went to the same high school. We have these in common. Do you know this person? Do you know that person? Um, mm-hmm. So community is very important. Find ways to connect with people mm-hmm. in terms of, um, things that you have in common, explore those connections and find a shared and and always be thinking about a shared opportunity to add value. So when I meet somebody, I'm constantly thinking about how can I add value to this person? How can I make this person's life experience be a little bit better? And that might be through connecting them to someone that helps them accomplish their goal. I might be able to help them accomplish their goal. They might be able to hire me. I might do something for them for free. Um, I might just like share an article with them. Um, Once I understand what they're looking for um, and in order to understand what they're looking for, you're going to have to be an active listener. So um, Mm -hmm. think about relationship building as something that's really important. I think you're also going to do the work to understand some of these these um, these ways to build relationship.
0: Hmm. That's powerful, man. You know, because you're a master at building relationships and building community, man. You know, why do you think there's so many people who fail at it?
1: Wow, that's a that's a real question. Um, I think it's like <laughs> you gotta love people. You gotta love people. You can't fake. Yeah.
0: You. You can't yeah. Thank
1: it's something that's cultivated. Um, really early on, uh, my my parents being pastors, I developed mm. and learned that love for people and that love for growing people and supporting people. So that was, uh, bec- not that was really given to me. I would say so that that's a gift that was given to me, and I I claimed it for myself. Um, and I always knew that, you know, I just knew that like, I wanted to support other people in their journey. So that's made it really easy for me to connect with people. I think if you don't have that, you want to cultivate that you want to think about how rewarding it is to give. And I would say if, if you're not already doing that, think about how can you be helpful to others, right? There's so many conversations right now. If you're in a position to help folks that have been affected by COVID, that's, that's, that's one thing. The Black Lives, the Black Lives Matter movement, is a great opportunity to be in community with a group that may or may not be um, your uh, your own, quote unquote, right. So if you're if you are um, a, a black person um, engaging in that movement in your own way, which might be that you are um, in the advertising industry and you know you don't see a lot of people that look like you, you can go ahead and mentor someone, right? If you're not in the black community and you think that Black Black Lives Matter is really important, you can go and mentor, you can also donate to an organization. So I think once you start connecting with people and, 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 and thinking about how to add value to them, the conversation changes. Where people really struggle is when they're looking for something like from jump, like they want to get something now, I need a job as soon as possible. I am going to connect with everyone, only people in my industry and the first thing I'm going to ask them is, hey, I'm looking for a job. Can I have one? Right? That's horrible. Yeah. That's horrible. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants yeah. to be around speakers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. So talk to me a little bit about Algo Daily and the work that you all are doing.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So Algo Daily was founded by a good friend of mine from high school. Uh, his name is Jake Zhang, And it's a platform for uh, folks that practice the technical interviewing skills. So My experience is um, as a programmer has been that the the process of getting a a job in tech um, is different than actually doing the job. Mm. uh, The technical interview asks you all these uh, problem solving quiz like questions that are are meant to measure measure how you think about code, but at the same time, um, it's its own discipline. So there there are other sites that do similar uh, things, but our goal. I um, mean, Jake's original goal when he started it was to break down problems into smaller bite-sized parts so that you're not just hopping on hacker rank and getting confused. And that really resonated with what I was doing because I was working with computer science majors in the Bronx at Lehman College, wow. um, really talented students that are working like other jobs and some of them have kids and just like really resilient folks that were getting failed um, by system in so many ways. So I thought, how could you use micro education? Um, mm. Well, Jake thought, how could you use micro education type of principles to uh, engage students in regular practice? So that's why it's called Algo Daily. Yeah. And a lot of what we thought about is how do we build community around this? How do we get students to use this on a regular basis? Uh, boot camp grads. Um, so a lot of customer acquisition and like iterating on the, 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 the product. Just yeah. how. We just had a new release. I want to check it out There's some new updates on the site. We'd love to have folks um, try it out and I'd be happy to talk to anyone who has any feedback.
0: I love that. By the way, for those of you who are just joining and tuning in, please know that we're talking to the phenomenal Daniel Arayanju, who is a product lead with Algo Daily, a passionate educator, community leader, and builder. And we've just been talking about education, the future of work, and also what you can do to take control of your career and start building networks genuinely building networks so you can find that career opportunity. Daniel, I would love for you to share a little bit more about the books that you've mentioned that you've really loved that have helped shape your perspective on the future of work, but also community building as well. You mentioned Start With Why by Simon Sinek, which is a phenomenal book. I'm a big Simon Sinek fan. What were some of the other books you shared?
1: I mentioned Simon Sinek. Um, I mentioned Start With Why specifically, um hooks comes to mind i'm blanking on the author i got to to interview him recently hooks who's the author of hooks yes
0: yes 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 yeah
1: so i really liked hooks because it was like a simple framework that you can use for anything so i love like having that swiss army knife of ideas um i really liked essentialism
0: Mm, um by george mccown
1: by George McCown. Like he yeah. he did a good it really did a good job. And I think a gentleman, I think he's his brother. And I think I asked him and I think he said that he's his brother. Uh Greg McCown had a really good book that he sent my way. I think he's sending your way to the innovators uh book. Um, I mean, I thought that was just like a product when I th- from a looking at a book from a product perspective. Um and this is this is like the way that it was bound and the way it was super simple. It kind of just presented all these different ways to come up with new ideas, which I thought was was really awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, for with, with everything going on in the world in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, protests, um, you know, due to the killings of George Floyd, and also what we're seeing as a focus in public health care, you know, due to COVID 19. What do you think are some of the huge opportunity areas and problem areas for entrepreneurs to start building, you know, the next big company around the next Slack, the next Salesforce? What are your thoughts?
1: That's a, a really great uh, question. And I'll be honest that a lot of my thinking has just been so laser focused on education. I literally, I did, yeah. I, I don't know how I tried. I tried to divest myself from education, but it just can't stop chasing me. So I think <laughs> huge, huge opportunity in learning. Um, like I think our education system is quite maladaptive to the wow. current moment. And it will be really hard for that system to change, to adapt. There's just so many things that are betting on that, too many systems that are relying on it. And there's a need for people that are creating new paradigms that depart from that old paradigm and prepare people better for the future of work. So I think learning, I think, um, uh, uh, you know, like what you're doing is really awesome around micro learning, which could span enterprise to, uh, what, what for, span uh, enterprise to, to pre-K, right? Mm. From like, you know, you're in a big corporation to like, you're just starting out. I think um, online learning is gonna really ramp up. You're gonna see what you're seeing, or you're gonna see what happened with enterprise software with a Slack that said, no, like this should be beautiful. This should work well. I am I am astounded when I see kids software that has poor UI. I'm like, that's all, I mean, you had one job. yeah, you look nice for these kids to make sense, for the, for it to be intuitive for them, so I think education technology is going to be huge. I think, if, especially if it can be tactile, there's often this like divide between the physical and the digital. How can you bridge the gaps between those things? Um, I do believe that education needs to become more and more hybridized. Um, mm. And if you have something that that bridges that gap, you have like a toy that kids are using at a pre-K, for example, and it's at home, but it has a digital aspect, and like the data is getting fed back and you know, there's some sort of interactive element and um, evaluative element that can help folks understand where kids are at. Um, That would would be really cool. And even as I, in the same breath that I say that, and I, you know, I geek out about, oh, you know, kids can be at home learning. um, Parents need to be at work a lot of times, right? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I don't think everybody's going to be at home all the time. I don't think that is a, that's not what we mean when we say work for the work from home revolution, right? Like you should have the flexibility to be at work on Monday, be in an office on Wednesday, right? And that office might be the office. Maybe on Thursday you're at a coffee shop or a WeWork or some other space that you can be at. Now a parent at WeWork, right? They're working from not the office. They should have a way for their kids to get, get, get taken care of. So there's going to be a lot of opportunity in um, childcare as well. And just making sure that um, people have the optimal environment environments to do their work. So so there's going to be like a benefits change. There needs to be flexibility and benefits so that people can customize their package Mm -hmm. to fit their lifestyle so they can bring the most um, value to customers. Um, I also think like, the importance of soft skills has just mm. really, really in, in, increased. And teaching soft skills is something that, I mean, soft skills are already soft. So it's already hard to say, you know, it's not like teaching coding. It's like, hey, I'm gonna teach you this code. <laughs> teaching soft skills is something that's a bit more amorphous. I think folks that can figure out how to do that and how to do that at scale and how to monetize, they're going to add a lot of value to the ecosystem because, again, mm where you need these soft skills. It's not like a time where you could just like apply online and then, you know, it could turn into something um, down the line. Like even even just having a conversation on digital, I think folks need to learn how to become more engaging. I think teachers um, online and offline need to learn how to become, or, or, you know, it would behoove students if educators became um more dynamic and better presenters and better storytellers. So I think there's a big opportunity in um, teaching some of those soft skills. the chief of them that I think about being storytelling.
0: Yeah you know, yeah you know and people I think often forget the power of storytelling and I've talked to so many business leaders, and, you know, educators and people who work in the workforce. And that is a chief skill that allows you to stand apart when it comes to building community or inspiring people, the ability to really go into a narrative that actually, that ties back to something purposeful. You know, for you, how did you develop that skill of storytelling throughout your career?
1: That's a that's a, that's a really great question. I, I don't think that it's something that I consciously went out and studied, um, yeah. and that's something I do want to ultimately learn more about. You know, in a more formal setting, not necessarily. I mean, through books and things like that. Um, I think I have. I think I saw. I've seen it in the church, just like you know, growing up
0: yeah. in,
1: in 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 the ministry. Um, really, growing up in that was a startup environment, starting a church from scratch.
0: And yeah. seeing it
1: Happen. Um, there's a lot of storytelling in that realm of things. Um, I used to love reading as a kid. So uh, I think I, I my vocabulary was super developed by the time I reached high school um, because of just the, the sheer quantity of books that I'd read and the stories that I'd read. And I was super into fantasy. And I think fantasy is the chief of storytelling because you're creating new worlds and new contexts um, and people are keeping are following what's happening in these worlds they've never been to. So I think a lot of that, it was cultivated through reading. And then mm-hmm. even, I'm, you know, I am. I mostly read business books now, but the best business books are telling stories. And those stories are what provides, um, that's what provide some sort of permanence. And I'd say like working as a career coach for computer science majors at Lehman College, I came to see myself as, um, I called it, a. I was a vision caster in the sense that I was presenting possibilities that would not, be something that folks would, you know, where at Lehman College um, would be necessarily aware of or how people they're connected with. I think it's, you know, you've always heard you can't be what you can't see. I, I, I truly do believe that. It's really difficult to be what you can't see. It does take some imagination. So I try to bring my imagination, but also the realities I've seen, combine those two and inspire people by telling a story of, hey, if you take these steps and you explore these possibilities, this is ultimately... Where you can lead. So, being a coach of any type, I think mm. there's a lot of storytelling involved because you're imagining a potential future. Mm. Um, you're co-imagining a potential future because it's not, you know, it has to be something that they're interested in, and you are helping them map the pathway to get there.
0: I love that, man. I love that, man, dude. So, where can everyone follow more of your work, Mr. B? Great.
1: Man, um, you know, I'm everywhere, brother. So um, here on LinkedIn is always a great place to rap with me. I'm on Instagram. Um, that's my at name, at B.Great, B-E.Great. I'm on Twitter as NYCDan underscore. Um, yeah, I know my my handles aren't consistent, but, you know, I try to be in every space personally the, about what I, what I love to talk about. So if you're interested in product, management, um, you're in the field, I would love to talk to you. If you are um, in the space of education, I would love to talk to you. Um, as has been mentioned, I'm working on, on a few different projects. I'm, a, I'm I'm really, I like to dip my hands in, in several cookie jars um, and they're all intersected around education and technology mm-hmm. and often are about technology education, which I do make mm-hmm. that distinction. So we'd love to connect with you all.
0: I love that. Definitely connect with Daniel. Mr. Be Great, if you're interested in partnering and working with them as an ally in a lot of his different education initiatives. The last word for part one of today's episode goes to Mrs. Squires, Dana Squires. I do have a comment about storytelling, but I think it is good, but it is hard to implement in the public schools. In my experience in middle schools, what you can do is so prescriptive, correct? What do you think about that, Daniel?
1: That's real interesting. So I'd have to think about this more, to think about the last part, what you can do is so prescriptive. Um, It it almost sounds like she's saying that the schools limit the range of how they can implement things like storytelling. Um, I mean, I just think it's important to give them the space to provide storytelling. Um, And I think many teachers do implement this, right? But just doing more of it, like, hey, you know, act out a story about, you know, something that happened in history. So I think this is just the interdisciplinary nature. So if you study something in history, learn some of a history, how do you go about and tell that story from a different perspective? Tell that story from a perspective of someone else. And some of these things, um, the great thing about storytelling and a lot of these soft skills is that they're, they really interconnect. So mm. storytelling, you can explore history and really understand, your you know, deepen your, your understanding of that part of history and at the same time, you can build empathy, that skill of stepping into someone's shoes, which I think is one of the great things about history. So um, storytelling can be done in so many different ways. I think folks telling their own story is gonna be really important. Um, thinking about the why and the context behind um, the things that they're doing and why they're doing it. Um, I think that's a powerful skill. A lot of times kids are kids are kind of expected to kind of just like, just roll with the punches. Just keep yeah. But I think I'll give them the opportunity to reflect and um, connect the dots um, is a really good way to exercise that skill. So re- really writing, um, performing, I think is a big opportunity in video. A lot of these kids are already storytelling on TikTok.
0: <laughs> they you know, are. They are.
1: On TikTok. So, you know, meet them where that, have them create a TikTok story to just, to tell a, um, to tell something, tell a story about something that they learned about in history or English. Um, and again, there's just so much interconnection that you can go ahead and be studying history, and at the same time, be developing your digital skills, your digital marketing skills. Um, So, uh, great opportunity there. And Thanks for that
0: comment. Shout out to Dana. So, I was kidding. The last word actually goes to our boy, Cyrus Belsoy, Cyrus Belsoy, who says, I fully agree with everything you're saying. With that said, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us on today's part one episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, A Guy podcast. What's your big takeaway for our amazing guy community, man?
1: man. Always be connecting. That's mm. my motto. Um, always find opportunities to be around good people that are trying to be great. Um, and that's going to elevate you. It's going to elevate your practice. It's going to elevate others. I think making sure that your practice and the things that you're doing are going to benefit people that connects you to your work and it connects mm. to yourself. And connecting yourself with a community is just going to be um, it's gonna make for a, a much better existence on this earth.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it, man. Dan, we should definitely have you on a future episode, my brother.
1: Most definitely. Anytime brother, keep <laughs> up the good work. Thank Don't you, stop. man. We want to see this guide app blow up. We want to see this guide podcast blow up. <laughs> great every day, brother.
0: Thank you, man. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for the motivation, man. Talk to you soon, brother. Most definitely. Peace. All right, man. With that said, that was part one of today's episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guy podcast live. Part two will be coming soon, but with that said, we're going to take a little bit of a break, get some water, get something to eat. My next guest is also a phenomenal engineer and product guy who's really active on LinkedIn. Emmanuel is going to share a little bit about all of the amazing engineering projects and products that he works on just on the side and the company that he works with today where he's building and leading the future of work and working on cutting edge technology in the area of AI and machine learning and even blockchain with that said take a break i'll be back soon and peace love talk to you soon And we're back to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guide podcast live. I'm going to be joined next by a really amazing guy and phenomenal leader and engineer. And he's someone that's a part of the guide community and someone that i followed on LinkedIn for quite some time. Emmanuel is a master's of science candidate at the University of Notre Dame, two times Google Cloud certified engineer, as well as Azure certified engineer. AI engineer, and more importantly, he's a world rock, he's a rock star at the work that he do does in his craft. Emmanuel, I would love to bring you on, man. How's it going, brother? Hey, man, we Hey, can hear you hey. yeah, Can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you perfectly, man. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> How's it going, man? No, it's going great, yeah. yeah. Where Thanks. are you tuning in from? And we're definitely noticing some technical difficulties right now. Uh, I don't think I can hear you now, Tim. Oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Probably try to refresh and come back into the studio room and it might work. I think mean, I can hear you now. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Just perfect perfect. on my side. Yeah. <laughs> no worries, man. No worries. How are you doing, man? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. How have you been hanging in there giving everything going on in the world, man? It's
2: yeah, I think I have a strong support system. I have yeah. great friends. Uh we have great discussions. So it's it's been it's been the support has been good. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're based out in New York, right? Uh, yeah, I recently moved, but I've been based out in New York for like a year now.
0: Okay, okay. Where are you where are you at now? Where are you living at now?
2: Uh, I'm in North Carolina. Uh, I'm trying to transition to co- college again. So this is like my little transition period before I head back to school.
0: That's awesome. Man. That's awesome, man. I would love for you to share a little bit more about kind of your background because uh, you're one of the uh, people within the guy community. And more importantly, the, I've seen who are a rock star in terms of the, the work and craft that they do. Share a little bit about how, how long you've been passionate about technology and doing the work that you do.
2: Oh, yeah. So thank you for that. Those kind words. Uh, so uh, I got introduced to computers uh, when I was in great school, let's put it that way. Uh, but I didn't know anything about coding, right? We all knew that wanted to play games on computers, and uh, at the time, I, I had an elderly friend who used to build computers from scratch. So, mm-hmm. like that was my first foray into technology. So, like I got into technology not from a software point of view, but it's like being able to build computers from scratch and install at the time Windows XP and all the various variations of Windows XP on it. And so uh, that's where my interest in technology came i came to college thinking i was going to do math but i was uh i was just advised to take a cs class and that's when i got introduced to like coding uh as part of the technology field and uh i was fortunate enough to from that time on i was fortunate to have, enough to have experiences in uh, that merge both math and computer science and that's what uh led me to like enter the field of ai and machine learning right yeah. so Getting into that field uh, as a sophomore through an internship is what I was like, oh, this is a field that I'm more interested in, right? Because the technology sphere is really broad, and there are so many things you can do. But I think my internship led me to try to explore, like, AI and machine learning. And since then, I've been trying to learn as much as possible and build as many things that I can so far itself. So,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. So share a little bit about some of the projects that you worked on some really amazing projects that you've also open sourced and shared with the LinkedIn community as well as GitHub. So share a little bit about some of the projects you've worked on in that area.
2: Yeah, so I think uh, one thing that I realized about me personally is that uh, I I learn best when I enjoy what I'm building, mm. right? So, uh, especially like if you look at like machine learning, there's so many things, uh, so many applications of it. Uh, if you even if you go to Kaggle, there's so many people doing so many other things. But like I like to build things that I'm interested in, right? It doesn't matter if everyone else thinks they are cool or it's important or has a particular business use case. I just like to build things that I'm interested in because that's how I learn best. So uh, I like culture. Culture is a very important thing to me. Like my traditional culture is important to me. So I always try to see how I can merge or bring that into like the AI field, right? Mm. Uh, into the innovative space so i i like playing around with things like uh voice ai mm. like google assistant actions uh Alexa skills and i try to bring like traditions that i grew up with to the, those platforms right so like proverbs like anansi stories uh, i like to build in that space and uh yeah i i also like to again i love reading and so like i try to like all the projects that I do, I try to merge, like, my personal interests with uh, technology. Yeah, in yeah. a general
0: sense. And you're pretty passionate about education as well. So a lot of the, you know, I've noticed about the projects that you do, they're really focused on educating, too.
2: Yeah, so I, I think that is, uh, especially the online learning, it democratizes education. And that's important mm-hmm. because, again, that's what gave me an opportunity to even think about getting into a feel like ML, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because there are people who are like providing all these resources that anyone could take advantage of so that that's where my passion is like the more you teach what you know you get to learn and understand it more uh, That that's what i think so being able to share what i know is something that i really enjoy doing
0: yeah 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 So talk to me a little bit about some of the projects that you're currently working on right now probably maybe behind the scenes or are soon to launch so,
2: so uh So I think uh, one of the projects that I really like is, again, I like reading a lot, and I used to like reading, like, crime fiction, and that Mm -hmm. morphed into, like, this uh, love of, like, crime stories and criminal investigations. So I've watched a lot of documentaries in that space. And I recently, uh, I chanced upon, like, the Ted Bundy tapes. Like all the tapes that he did, and so like, I'm trying to see if I could build, like I don't have it all thought out yet, but but like an AI for like criminal investigations, right? It has, it can be end to end, it can be some version of it, but an AI for criminal investigations is an interesting topic for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, that's amazing. You know, I want you to share a little bit more about, you know, because given everything that's going on with the the state of the world, uh, right now there's a huge emphasis and focus around, you know, police brutality, public health, and, um you know, all of this new innovation around contactless solutions. You know, what do you think are, like, problem areas or opportunity areas for the next generation of engineers or entrepreneurs to build something for?
2: Uh, so, uh i think that like having multiple voices in uh various spaces allows uh so let me put it this way this is the way i think of it right that uh people face very unique problems and challenges that like only they face and so it's easy for them to come up with solutions with right so like uh, being able to have multiple voices at the table allows multiple solutions to the various problems i don't know if that makes sense
0: mm.
2: right so like having what are the possible problem areas i think that like the main problem area is like uh increasing multiple voices especially in ai the ai field because with that increase that will allow people to solve their own problems right so like for example uh the google translate api it doesn't have one for my local language right and mm. it's not because it's a bad thing it's not like it's a malicious thing, right? But whenever they were building it, they didn't think that maybe people like me would want to build products. In my, I don't know what they were thinking at the time, right? But if there were more people that would allow, who have, who have created those things, that I would come in and then build products for my particular use cases, yeah, right? Yeah. I think that's what I think in the general sense, but I don't know if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, so you think there's a huge opportunity thinking about how can we help organizations build more inclusive products? that, yes. you know, that kind of are mindful of different cultures and, you know, different uh, different markets.
2: Yeah, and different developers as well. So they're, yeah. like, creating opportunities for everyone to build, right? So.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for let me ask you, Emmanuel, you know, when you got your start in engineering, you know, do you remember the first project you worked on?
2: Uh, so for school or, like, for personal side project? Either. So I think... <laughs> Uh, so, like the main big project that I worked on, and I'll never forget this. Uh, it was a project called the Black Shoals application. Wow! It, it was a it was it was a disaster, but it, it was like uh, we had just done like a course on differential equations, and we saw like you could apply the Black Shoals to like investing. And so, me and a friend, uh, Jonathan, uh, we were trying to think of how we can build a web application to predict the prices of stocks, it didn't work out real well, but we learned a lot. It was like just building something that we have no idea of, but we were like, hey, let's build
0: this. And it was fun in the end. So yeah.
2: that, that was my very
0: first major project. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. You know, with that said, Emmanuel, let me ask you, man, if you would wish anything were to change when it comes to related to the future of work or the future of education, what do you think that, you know, we need to start paying more attention to?
2: Right, I think uh, right now, like the democratization of education, right, mm-hmm. is is a thing right now. That means that like uh, there was a time that you had to be a particular type of person to know a particular type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. But I think with uh, the introduction of things like even guide, right, being able to provide all these resources to multiple people, so that like we break down those barriers of entry, would allow like like talent to develop from mm. anywhere and everywhere right and so uh if there's mo- uh there's multiple sources of talent that means like multiple people are solving multiple problems mm. and that's how i think of it right so being able to have uh, all those resources at the fingertips of everyone who wants to have them right and breaking those barriers down having giving access to everyone i think that's
0: what I I am env- I hope the future of education is. Yeah. So. yeah. No, that's and that's you know, for us at Guy, that's the future that we're building. And we yeah. and we share that same vision as well, too. Yeah. And it's also the future of work. You know, there there's a lot of uh integration between the future of work and the future of education, and really being able to change the system to be more accessible and more affordable. You know, Emmanuel, with that said, man, I've actually shared your GitHub with the people so they can go check out more of your work. You know, what's your big takeaway for our guide community, man? Uh, so, I think
2: uh, a mentor of mine to give me this mantra uh, that I always follow, and I think I even use it as a hashtag, like, always be learning, always be building. And I think uh, what they, uh, they made me realize was that, like, learning is is a fun thing, right? I think uh, I, I personally was trained to think that learning is about, like, passing grades. Like, it's this thing that you do to get an end result right but then and he, uh, my mentor made me realize it's a process and it's an enjoyable process that if you allow yourself you can grow by enjoying what it is that you're learning right and by applying what you learn learning as in the building part it allows you to cement that knowledge and also to be able to help others understand what it is that you learn so like it's a mantra that i've taken to always be learning always be building it isn't like a formal education or like a formal career or whatever, but it's just like that process of growing and developing and sharing what you've learned uh, is a process, right? It's a cycle that keeps going and it never ends. So uh, I think that uh, the guide community hopefully the guide platform comes out early, so I can test it out. I'll make I'll <laughs> Of course, man. You are you
0: are part of our early beta testers that we're doing. Uh, so beta. Having,
2: uh, having that mindset, right? That like yeah. the learning process is almost like cyclical and it never ends mm-hmm. and it's not like this hard thing. Yeah, so just always be learning, always be building.
0: Yeah. That, that's what I'll leave it. Dude, always be learning, always be building. We should, de- we should get that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> all right man Emmanuel thank you so much for joining us on today's episode and show man thank you thank you thank you please you know where can the people follow your work uh yeah so uh again uh I'm on github you can always
2: check out uh the code there uh you can also find me on linkedin uh uh Emmanuel Achampo. yeah so that's it like very basic
0: stuff so yeah love it man love it appreciate you brother thank you man we should have you on a future episode by the way
1: yeah (laughs) Everyone should get
0: a guide, yeah. Everyone should get a guide. So. Love it, man. Appreciate you, brother. Talk soon, man. Thank you so much. And that's it for today's episode. And shout out to Daniel and Emmanuel for coming in and sharing a little bit more about what they do and what they're passionate about. If you're interested in being a part of Guide Apps early beta program, check us out at guideapp.co and sign up for our early beta program we're going to be expanding our beta next week to a few select creators so definitely check us out if you're interested in being on a future episode of unleashing the future of work a guide podcast check out utfow.com and sign up to be a guest or sponsor we love either and we'll feature you on a future episode with that said peace love and talk to you soon be well